Today we've got episode number 93. Did you know that the ketogenic diet or keto was the most searched Google term last year? How crazy is that? Although it does make me happy to know so much of people's attention is going towards their food, be it good, bad, anywhere in between. Starting with taking an interest in the fuel that you put into your body is totally worth celebrating. In today's episode, we get to hear from a big business owner in the food industry who changed his life by going keto, writing a book about it, and we talk about what that meant for his body and his energy levels each day. And interestingly, we also get into topics that you don't often hear men talk talk about identity, worth, and self-love, which most of us, most of us fellas out there, try and bury, sedate, and deny. But we talk about how important navigating these challenges are in implementing healthy change in your life and getting you feeling great in your own skin again. And importantly, being comfortable being this new person. It's a big one. So let's dive into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Welcome back to another episode, another interview episode, in fact. It is my mission to coach 150 individuals to create the sustainable, healthy lifestyle that they truly want before December 2020. And one of the many ways that I do that is through my online intermittent fasting and nutrition program, which this year has seen, it's been a roaring success, firstly, and I've had my first 50 people through that, and it's just been going gangbusters for this first year, which is, you know, despite the global controversy that has interrupted all of our lives. <laughs> it's it's actually been going really, really well. And if you want to find out more about that program, the best thing to do is to request access to my Facebook group, of which the link is in the show notes below. And when you get there, be sure to fill out the entry questions so that I can approve your profile and send you the relevant information and have you a part of the healthy humans on the inside. So you'll see the post about the program uh, within the next sort of week or so once you request access. Um, my next intake is actually full already, which is pretty exciting, but I do have a waiting list on the go for the next one. So head down to the show notes and click the Facebook link to join a healthy and like-minded community of action takers. All right, you ready? I'm definitely ready. So today's guest is an entrepreneur, author, and self-described biohacker, Tom King changed his life by adopting a ketogenic lifestyle and burning off five stone, and that's 30 kilos for us in the metric system. An impressive feat by any stretch. Tom is the founder and CEO of Staviva Brands Incorporated, one of the largest importers, manufacturers, and distributors of natural sweeteners in the USA. Tom has made his life's work to study food science and use his knowledge to help people get healthier, avoid harmful sugars, and maintain diet and exercise habits that defeat metabolic disease, which means Tom and I feel very at home here talking about this topic on the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. His extensive work is responsible for food manufacturers creating products that contain 50 to 90% fewer sugars, which... I love, right? And I know you do too listening. So in his book, Guy Gone Keto, which hopefully we'll get into a little bit throughout the show, Tom details an essential wellness program that will keep you fit, healthy for life, which is definitely something I know that you are interested in. So um, hopefully today we'll dive into some low sugar stuff, some 
keto stuff and I'm really looking forward to having this conversation, Tom. So a big welcome to the show, mate. How are you? I'm doing terrific, Maddie. Thank you so much for having me uh, having me on and hosting me on your podcast and I've been looking forward to this one for quite some time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad we got it off the ground. I'm really excited to have you here too. And so I'd love to just sort of know where did this, where did this start? Like before you lost that five stone, uh, what was the, what was the catalyst to, 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 ch- for you to change your life? Um, well, I think that it was bottoming out. So, and you know, it's like you read about it, you read about people that, you know, that suffer from addictions, just, you know, that they hit a bottom and then I think the pain of their uh, current behavior exceeds the pleasure that they're deriving from it. And so that happened for me about five years ago when I was in Las Vegas for a trade show and I had one of my customers or actually one of my vendors uh, asked me out to dinner and I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. They're paying, <laughs> um, you know, and we had steak and we had potatoes and we had cake and we had wine and you know, it was this, uh, it was a pretty, it was a big, huge Bacchanalian feast, um, in Vegas. And so I got back up to my room and didn't really feel great. This felt like sluggish. And at that point in time, I took my shirt off, was looking in the mirror and I was, and I, that is the point where it's like, I felt like I had really poor integrity because, you know, I, I work, you know, within the sweetener industry, you know, like, um, supplying sweeteners to companies that target paleo and, um, you know, paleo and keto audience, but I wasn't living that lifestyle. So, you know, I felt like I was a bit of an imposter. And at that point, you know, that was my bottoming out. And that was, that is when the pleasure that I was deriving from eating, you know, high glycemic carbohydrates and sugar and alcohol, that's when, you know, that is when the pain of the results of that exceeded the pleasure. And I, I'm a person who loves to journal and I just started writing it down, like writing everything about it. Um, and after a year I actually had a book and it, you know, it was sort of my journey and, and, you know, my experience of making a lifestyle shift from being pretty, I guess you'd say, um, living to eat, um, shifting that to eating to live. And I, uh, you know, every day I'm, I'm grateful that I was able to write that stuff down and, and apply it. I think it's so great that you had that, uh, you know, awareness experience because I think a lot of people do bottom out but they just feel so helpless and sort of victim to the process. So it's awesome that you were able to hit that point and, and be aware that you had control over your, you know, trajectory. Yeah, and I think that it's like I, the journaling really helped. I mean, that's the thing that really kept me, um, you know, kept me moving ahead. You know, data collection and, and journaling. And the data collection really, like, when you start to see progress, you know, pro- progress actually builds progress. So when you see that you're going in the right direction, you know, it really motivates you to keep, uh, you know, to keep working on it. And so, you know, data collection, like taking blood pressure, um, you know, uh, testing ketones and, you know, blood sugar and, you know, uh, resting heart rate, like just doing all of that data collection, you know, after it, it was maybe three weeks into it, I, I started to see, I started to see change, you know, I started to see, you know, my, my blood pressure dropping slightly. Um, I was less reliant on, uh, uh, taking, um, 
you know, uh, like Prilosec and, uh, you know, uh, different types of medication for, for heartburn because I had a horrible indigestion. And I could start to see that stuff go away um, along with, you know, my, my cognition in the afternoon because I used to just crash about 2 o'clock. It's just like I got to have an espresso. Um, I don't have that anymore, thankfully. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that the old carb crash is is huge after lunch, and it's it's crazy. Um, once people and I see this with people all the time. Once they really understand the relationship between their physical experience and their nutrition, yeah, it's just so obvious. And uh, removing you know that carb loaded lunch, um, and, and you know in the afternoon most of us need our brain functioning, right? Like mm-hmm. we're in the middle of a work day where you know got meetings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and it's yeah, I think rem- once you understand that carbs away oh, is heavy amounts of carbs are contributing to that and successfully able, able to make that swap out you don't know yourself you're like yeah the, i don't need the coffee I, I didn't crash i don't need a nap i've had clients before that their goal was literally to remove the desire to have a nap in the afternoon <laughs> you know and it's just doing what you said like um which i think is super super cool but what was the thing that uh you that sort of took you towards keto like what was attractive about that or were you know were you aware of it did you learn about it through that year um what was it well i mean i have known about keto for quite a while i mean i used to practice uh, atkins back in the day and so atkins is kind of i'd say keto-ish you know mm-hmm. it's on the keto side yeah it definitely has too much protein and subsequently you know i found that if you have too much protein it can take you out of keto as well yeah but i used to use atkins as sort of a modality to lose weight when i started to get fat um, so I would, you know, eat whatever, I, whatever I wanted and drink whatever I wanted. And then once I felt like I was carrying an extra 20 or 30 pounds, then I would go on Atkins yep. and I'd use that for a couple months. I'd lose that weight. I'd go off of Atkins and then, um, the weight would come back on with, within two or three months. So I was creating, creating like this, this pretty, uh, substantial yo-yo effect of like, losing weight and then gaining back a little more and then losing weight and gaining back a little bit more. So it's like creating this, uh, this cycle. Um, and so finally I just sort of gave up on it, but I, you know, because I'm in the food industry and we were supplying sweeteners to, you know, uh, hundreds of different sort of keto brands, I was able to kind of, you know, examine what they did and some of the influencers that they were working with. And, you know, I, I firmly believe that you're the sum of the five people closest to you. So I just really started, um, you know, trying to attract those people, you know, like the Dom D'Agostinos of the world and people that are like the OGs of, <laughs> uh, of keto and really, yeah. really start digging deep into the science of it. And it was amazing because I made some beautiful friendships, you know, like when I, you know, the people that are in the, the keto sphere, if you will, um, it's, it's like no other, it's like no other sort of group I've ever, you know, been involved with because they're all about, you know, a rising tide raises all boats. They're not like cutthroat and it's like, this is my idea and nobody else's idea. They want to share the information. And, uh, I have, it's been an amazing, uh, group of individuals that I've been able to network with that have, you know, provided me with information and the science behind why keto makes sense 
you know, and why your brain functions so much better on ketones than it does, you know, uh, glucose. So it was, um, it was a collective process, but it was like my desire to learn more. Yeah, I love that. And I loved, I love that that community, your experience of the community is like that. And I think the one thing, uh, one, or one of the things that ties together all the people that, um, you know, the OGs, you know, that founded all of this stuff and discovered this is that they're actually uh, a group of truth seekers because uh, high fat diets were obviously, you know, scrutinized and discriminated against for over half a century by the Western world due to falsified information that, um, you you know, fat was causing heart disease and, and all of these, you know, different problems. And, and so I think, you know, that community in general is, is, is a group of people that are, you know, open to the truth and, and seeking to make human, human lives as a collective better. And I, and I, and I love to hear that, that the community, your experience of the community was like that. And I, I think that's potentially why I have a, a bunch of books on my, on my shelf over here that are about, you know, people, you know, essentially finding the truth and it being nutritional therapy or, you know, it being a cancer therapy or whatever, but it all boils down in some capacity to a high fat, low carb diet. And I think universally, the metabolic flexibility that we lack in modern society as a result of, you know, 70 years of carbohydrate diets is, is really, you know, devastating. But Speaking of how devastating it is, I when we were preparing for before our chat, I found, came across a term that you used, diabesity, and I, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> it was, it's just, it's perfect. And so, what's your perspective on using the keto diet in reversing the diabesity epidemic? Well, that's interesting. That's a, that that's that's a really interesting question. Because I I try not to encourage I try not to encourage people to to jump into keto specifically for weight loss. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, weight loss is a is a complicated thing. I mean, there's all sorts of different like layers that you can peel away on on weight loss, like from you know shame to you know self acceptance. Um, you know, and I think that it's it's an all encompassing sort of uh, sort of journey. I think that if you look at um, endeavoring on a, uh, a ketogenic lifestyle, because I, I only promote keto as a lifestyle, because if you use it as a diet, you're going to fail just like I failed when I used to use uh, Atkins as a, uh, you know, as a, as a diet. Yep. But I think that if you look at all I would say immerse yourself in it. The more that you know, you know, the more, you know, the more you'll be able to, to stick with it and, and embrace, you know, the actual lifestyle change. And part of it is, you know, the things that you're going to see is increased amount of energy, you know, your yeah, body definitely going to be functioning better. Another thing that you're going to notice too is a drop in inflammation. You know, like if you were having joint pains, or even like edema, like edema is one of these things that I think that a lot of people don't really talk about too much. And I mean, edema is where, you know, your heart is pushing fluids out to your extremities. But one of the other things that edema does is also pushes it into your lungs. Um, so you can get a buildup of fluid in your lungs if you're experiencing a lot of edema. So I would encourage people, you know, to take a look at your entire body and get a, get a good health coach. Get somebody who can, you know, who has the knowledge, who can walk you through this, 
um, because it, you, it, it's important that you're supported with it and that you look at every aspect of it, like brain function, the reduction in inflammation, um, you know, increased energy levels. You know, and then there's other things you have to take into consideration too, making sure that you keep your electrolyte levels up, you know, like dropping a little bit of salt in your water and lemon, um, you know, so there's, it, it's really, it's a shift of, of actual lifestyle, um, that I don't recommend that people do entirely alone. They, it, it's, I think it's important to get a support group on it. Yeah, I agree. I think community is the biggest part of transformation. And I think that that's reflected by your comment earlier about the fact that we're, you know, essentially the, the average of our five closest humans, right? And I think that's the same with any type of health transformation. You've got to be, uh, and this is why group coaching programs are so successful is because people are, are traversing the gap or the fear, um, you know, with like-minded individuals they can relate to. Yeah, and I also think that it also gives you some uh, some common language and common conversations because, you know, a lot of people, when they hit a plateau, um, because that happens, like you'll, you know, you'll be doing keto and all of a sudden, you know, you'll kind of plateau out, you'll have a harder time, um, you know, uh, pulling bigger numbers, you know, ketones, and then you feel like you're not losing weight fast enough or you put on a few pounds and then, and then what? I mean, that's a very, very common thing. Like I've had it happen myself and, you know, in, you know, that five minutes ago when you were bringing up about metabolic flexibility, um, I think that that's, that is sort of a double edged sword because I think that if you stay on keto for too long, that can also disrupt, disrupt your, your metabolic flexibility. So Agreed. I am, a, I am a big proponent of cycling on and off keto. Like I would say do five weeks on one week off, not saying that you go out and get pizza and ice cream, <laughs> fried chicken and, and chips. And, well, there's plenty of healthy carbs, right? <laughs> There is, but I'm saying like maybe add a sweet potato to your diet, Yeah, you know, add some things where, you know, you're getting plenty of fiber, plenty of nutrients, you know, and cycle off every five weeks. Um, because if you don't cycle off and you really uh, get into a state of inflexibility, you know, with your metabolism, what will happen is you will, first off, you'll hit a big plateau. And then the second thing is you'll be like, what the hell? I'm on this plateau, I might as well have a carb. And you'll literally just look at a carb and start putting on water weight. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, that is the downhill slide. So, you know, give yourself grace. Um, you know, put yourself on a program, you know, every four or five weeks, take a week, cycle off, add some, you know, add some more sort of nutritive uh, uh, carbohydrates that might even swing on the, on the high glycemic side, like, you know, sweet potatoes, maybe some berries and stuff like that. But I think that if you do that and you look at this as a long game instead of a short game, uh, your success rate's going to be enormously higher. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. 
All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it, skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Absolutely. And I, I think as I always describe the metabolic flexibility thing as like um, a rusted lever, like we're, we're stuck, especially sugar burners, the lever is just rusted into position over there. But absolutely the same problem can happen in the opposite direction. If you don't entertain those glycolysis pathways, you know, you can definitely have some really challenging times, you know, introducing carbs. And this is potentially a long term challenge of can't the carnivore diet because you're essentially not introducing any carbs for extensive periods of time and that's not to say that uh you know there aren't small subsets of people that you know are able to maintain their flexibility in the absence of these things but yeah i think it's healthy to to cycle through these things as well yeah it's interesting that you bring up the uh, keto carnivore um because i i mean i do run into people that suggest that i you know that i embrace the keto carnivore diet and i I, I've done it. I've done it for, I did it for a three week period. Yep. And what I can tell you is you will lose a lot of weight. Yeah. Like you'll lose, you'll lose weight pretty quickly. Um, you also get some very interesting gastrointestinal sort of, uh, situations, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> absolutely. And I, and, but from the science end of things, it's very hard for me, unless you're doing a food elimination type diet, like if you're, if you're, if you've got like a ton of inflammation and you just can't seem to get it under control, um, I, I would say that as a food elimination diet, the keto carnivore for a temporary basis is probably a, a great idea. Um, long term, I really don't because it sort of goes against the principles of, of keto, um, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. Because if you are ending up eating too much, uh, too much protein, uh, your body converts that protein into glycogen, which just sit in your muscles. So basically your body's going to be rich with, with glucose and no way of, uh, of being able to burn it off unless you, you know, unless you, uh, incorporate intermittent fasting with it as well. So like if you're going to do keto carnivore, I would, I mean, from my perspective and what's worked for me is I would encourage people to look into, Absolutely, uh, like intermittent fasting coupled with keto carnivore. If you're looking to, if you're looking to make a metabolic shift, or you're looking for a sort of a food elimination uh, modality. Yeah, absolutely. And there's an an increasing amount of anecdotal evidence regarding a carnivore in the context of really high inflammation, autoimmune disease and different things. So, um, and agreed as a hardcore elimination diet, it's potentially a good uh, place to get to before reintroducing foods. But um, I I share your your perspective on that as well, that um, any diet that is so hyper restrictive is going to be, yeah, is not going to be ideal in the long term, but definitely would have its benefits short term um, for 
for sure. But um, the other thing that you talked about a little bit in there, which I'm really curious as well, is the the sort of the identity stuff that that um, people have with uh, you know not with losing weight and becoming somebody different, someone they don't recognize in the mirror. And I'm really, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've never, I'm, I'm the kind of, you know, health professional that I understand the science and I understand how to communicate it, but I've actually never been there myself. So I'm wondering if for the listeners, mm-hmm. you could share a little bit about that, that, that journey, that challenge, some, some advice about, you know, because a lot of people don't know who they're going to be, you know, or don't recognize that person in the mirror and mm-hmm. um, that the, as they begin to change and, and levels of self-sabotage could be introduced to and because, you know, or going back to what they're familiar and safe with type thing. So I'm just wondering if you could talk into that a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's, that's excellent. I'm really glad that you brought that up. It, it, anytime that you are undertaking a journey like this, a lot of stuff is going to come up for you, you know, like it, in, in particularly with food, because a lot of people use food as a form of medication. Um, you know, it's how they, they start to make themselves feel better. And I, I really think that if you are going to be successful with a lifestyle change like this, you have to incorporate some sort of, I would say journaling, um, or if you want to talk to somebody like a therapist, or, you know, for me, journaling is worked exceptionally well and really focusing on the things that, um, you know, that are going to help you through this. And this is self-acceptance, like really leaning into self-acceptance and, and trying to understand what self-acceptance means for you. And that self-acceptance means that you accept yourself exactly as you are, whether you're heavy, whether you're, you know, you've lost weight. Um, I mean, that is, that's a huge, huge factor for me because even now, you know, when I look back on pictures, you know, when I was 30, 40 pounds heavier, um, I feel ashamed, you know, like I look at that and it's like, oh my God, it's like, I just can't believe I was carrying that much weight at the time. I didn't feel that level of shame, but it does open up, you know, it does open up a lot of, uh, I, I would say unfinished business, if you will. Um, that people carry around with them because, I mean, weight gain, you know, it's more often than not is not just, you know, what, what you're eating, but, but potentially what's eating you, um, you know, and so taking a good look at what's inside and healing yourself both physically and mentally, I, I, I think is critical. So add in that component of journaling, meditation, really, you know, self-care and learning to love and accept yourself and showing yourself grace, whether, you know, whether you view yourself as a success with this or not. I think that's powerful coming from you as a man, because I've had a lot of women on the podcast, psychologists, um, you know, emotional eating coaches and stuff like that talk talk to this and I guess it's more uh, socially accepted that that information and that openness with talking about love and meditation and you know looking after yourself emotionally is that comes from a woman it's sort of expected right so I think that's really powerful for you to share that and I'm, I'm really glad you did and hopefully some of the men listening can resonate uh, with, with what you've said because I think it's it's just such a topic that men really more than anyone need to dive into because we're so good at uh, you know having learnt from our fathers and grandfathers <laughs> how best to lock up our emotions and pretend they don't exist and sedate them in whatever way that, you know, is, is acceptable in our own personal reality. Yeah, that is in, and that's Pandora's box right there because it's like when you look at, you know, women are, are I think society has made it 
it's easier for them to share their feelings and their emotions and, you know, things that might be perceived as weaknesses. But, you know, for men, I mean, we bury everything inside, you know, and, you know, we, we try never to, to show any shame and we try to lead with pride. And I, I think that, you know, you can carry that on your shoulders only for so long. And I think it just starts to break down. I think that when you're, when you're able to take a look in the mirror, you know, and have a honest and frank conversation with yourself and, you know, and also recognize the fact that being vulnerable is probably one of the most courageous things that a person can do. Um, because it's really easy to stay, you know, shut in and closed up and, you know, and, and not let the world in, but it is the warriors. It's the warriors that, you know, allow themselves to be open and vulnerable and actually share, you know, what's going on inside. And I'm seeing this happening more and, and more, you know, with people that, you know, influencers that I, you know, that I communicate with and that are, you know, um, that influenced me most definitely. And that conversation is getting, you know, is getting more pronounced about men being able to, you know, open up and show vulnerability. And I think that that's a beautiful shift. I think that's an amazing shift as well. And, and, uh, and I love that you, I love the way that you sort of captured that the masculinity of, of expression in the concept of being a warrior because it, yeah, bravery and courage to express those emotions is, is higher than anything else in the Western world. You need, you know, to get through that experience. And of course, you need to be surrounded by, um, men and women that provide a safe space uh, and don't judge you and, and, you know, stick to social narratives or social perspectives perspectives on that topic you need you need a safe safe space which comes back again to your reference about being surrounded by five amazing people right yeah 100 percent. it's like who you surround yourself will definitely determine where you're going yeah absolutely um so more on the keto diet so if people that are listening want to get started maybe they're heading down the path of that diabetes you know they're mm-hmm. overweight they are in, in a world where they're sort of you know the only thing they've got they feel they've got control of is or, or access mm-hmm. to pleasure because life's so hectic and crazy especially in this world right now stress and anxiety through the roof um mm-hmm. with what's going on and mm-hmm. and so what how would people begin down that path in your in your experience well yeah, I, the internet is just is loaded with a variety of different resources. Um, if you're looking to, you know, if you're looking for the quick and simple, um, you know, a keto diet is 70% fat, 20% protein, and 10% carbohydrates. And those carbohydrates need to come from vegetables that grow above ground, like lettuces and, and uh, broccoli and cauliflower, like cruciferous vegetables. So, I mean, that's the fast, that's the fast and dirty. Um, but I think that just finding resources um, that work for you. And I know that we were discussing earlier about how awful social media is right now. So toxic. Um, I, it is exceptionally toxic. I would say the one thing that social media is really has been really effective and good at is in that keto category where people can share recipes, they can share successes, and you can really create, you know, a community, a supportive community online that way. So I would say you know, use your social media, you know, like uh, uh, Instagram, you know, for finding recipes and Twitter for finding information that people in that particular category, you know, are are sharing. 
um, you know, and find groups, find groups that you can, that you can be part of because that's, um, you know, they're going to share a, a conversation with you that, you know, that's supportive in where you want to go. And I would also just try recipes and try things that, uh, you know, try things that you think that work for you. But above all, uh, use data collection. You know, how much water are you drinking a day? How many calories are you consuming a day? Are you getting enough fat? And, you know, weighing yourself. I used to weigh myself every single day. I am now sort of against that. And I think that weighing yourself once a week or once a month just to see where you're trending is, is plenty. And, um, you know, that way you're not dictating the direction of your day by what, you know, what, re- what the scale reads. Or getting your p- personal self-worth from a number that reflects your pull on gravity. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to use that. Interesting uh, question for you, which is potentially controversial, but I actually don't, in my own stuff, I don't use the word keto. I I sort of lean towards the low-carb, high-fat purposely because there's so many variations of keto out there that are unhealthy. Um, And it's gotten to the point in my sort of professional opinion that keto as an overarching brand is is sort of like, oh, you can have a bunch of the bad stuff, um, you know, to try and get healthy. And and that just as a sort of nutrition scientist, it really triggers me because I'm like, this is, you know, you're sort of replacing one problem with another. Um, and so I'm wondering, you know, as someone that works with so many of these brands, uh, what what is your perspective on on you know the, the the keto movement and the healthy and the unhealthy and and the gray area in between. Um. Well, I, so first off, I I think keto is just you know ketosis is what your body like the state that your your body is in by eating high fat low carb diet. So I think that keto is a convenient term, and I also think it's a term that uh, you know that people adopted pretty easily. Totally, it's easy to say and it's easy to Google, and and I also think that you know keto like last year was the number one search term in in Google. Wow. So I think that, you know, I think food manufacturers that are looking to capitalize in that particular category, they're going to call their products keto. But I am starting to see more companies that I've been working with um, leaning out of that, uh, that term keto. So I think that it's sort of a, I don't know, I think it's kind of a, a split down the middle. But I think that it's, it's an easy word for people to reference a high fat diet. Is it, you know, do, do I think it's smart? I don't know if it's, I think people are capitalizing on, on the search engines with it. And I don't think it's necessarily a, a word that needs to be used to capitalize on that. Yeah, agreed. And and I guess my own personal feelings are about it are very much scientific in nature and I totally understand mm-hmm. that marketing mm-hmm. and marketing and business development and stuff, I understand the angle. I guess I, I'm just sort of like, you know, my priority is human health and, and where mm-hmm. as a lot of these companies are leveraging a movement. Right. Yeah, and I, and there's also a lot of crappy products out there. T- like totally. there's a lot of products that say that, say that there's keto that use IMO, which is isomaltoaleosaccharide, which can be called like a vegetable fiber or a variety of different things. 
that are actually metabolized and turned into a simple sugar after they leave your stomach. So, and they'll throw you right out of keto. I also see a lot of people trying to use net carb impact, mm -hmm. um, where, and this happened to me like a couple of weeks ago, somebody sent me a bar to sample and it, it, it was a smaller bar and it had like 12 or 13 grams of fiber in it. And the main ingredient was just fiber. And I mean, the bar was delicious, but it probably took me a couple days to recover from it wow. because of all of that fiber. It really, my stomach was just out of control and I terrible gas, like just nonstop. So, you know, I, I, it, it, since I'm a food formulator, I mean, I do I admit I sometimes will use fiber to bring a net carb impact down. But I usually don't do it to drop a carb, drop carbs by like 10 grams or more. Like I'll use it to drop carbs by maybe two grams. Yeah. Like if we're at four grams of carbs, I might add a couple grams of fiber, bring it into two gram, two grams of net carbs. But there's a lot of people that aren't doing that. They're just loading it up with carbs and then fibers to offset those carbs. And, and I mean, I know as a fact, because I've eaten those products, they'll knock you right out of keto, but they're calling it keto. So from that perspective, it's kind of like, well, you know, I do support the industry because we supply sweeteners to people that are making packaged foods, right? Like bars and cookies and, and brownies and frozen desserts and stuff like that. Don't make those the primary, uh, primary compound of your diet. Yes. Okay. Like I would say, and I've always said this, it's like shop the outside aisles of the store, you know, where the fresh meat produce, you know, um, foods that are fresh that you can prepare yourself. That is always, always a better way to go rather than, you know, filling in the blanks with, well, I'm just going to eat this bar because, you know, it has 220 calories in it. It No, eat, eat food that's been grown in the ground or grown in a pasture. Yeah, I agree. And I'm not a big fan of uh, calorie counting and obsessing in that type of way. I don't think it's mm. sustainable for those of us that aren't, you know, elite athletes or, you know, really hardcore kind of personalities. I think it's for the masses. Yeah, that kind of, you know, mm. um, microscopic approach to nutrition just takes the fun out of life. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. And I think that, you know, I think in the beginning, if you're trying to, you know, if you're trying to get those macronutrients dialed in, you know, where you can, you get sort of an idea of where you need to be most of the time. I would say after that, it's just about portion control, you know, like if it fits in the palm of your hand, it's a portion. Yeah. And, you know, and, and from that point, I don't think that people, I don't, and I think you're right. It does take the joy out of life, you know, con constantly counting macros. Um, it, stop it. <laughs> don't do it. Just, just find out what a portion is. You know, right from the beginning, and you'll know if you're overeating. And if you feel like you're too full or you feel like, hey, I had two palms of, of chicken this time, you know, then you're going to know that you ate two portions. And I, I would say sticking with that is probably works best for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, as well, where can the listeners find you online and maybe share a bit about your book? Oh, yeah. The book, so that book is, is sort of a, a labor of love for me. So it didn't really start out as a book and I didn't have this idea of like, hey, I'm going to write a book. I just started journaling and I started writing down my thoughts. And then after about a year of that journaling, I had a book. 
and I had some friends that were connected with some publishers, and I'm like, hey, I have this, some spots I've been shotting down. Would you guys like to take a look at it? It might be book-worthy. And they're like, oh, my God, Tito's blowing up. You should write a book. And I'm like, well, this is the book. And so we had an editor, you know, we worked together on it. And yeah, the book came out. And I was like really psyched about it because, you know, it's the first time I'd ever really read, wrote a, a book for public. And um, yeah, and then it was number one on Amazon for like two weeks. Whoa. And I was like, I can't believe it. I was taking screenshots of it and sending it to my friends. And I'm like, check this out. I don't know how it's doing now. Um, but, you know, I've had... I've had a lot of people, you know, make comments on it, that they enjoyed the book. They found it to be easy to read, very approachable and very honest. Um, yeah, so I wrote wrote the book. It's called Guy Gone Keto. And then um, I also noticed that, you know, when I had adopted this ketogenic lifestyle, that I couldn't have ketchup. I couldn't have barbecue sauce or teriyaki sauce or any, like, any sauces because they were just loaded with sugar, like, uh, like ketchup, you know, has more sugar than ice cream. Yeah. And so when you start taking a look at all this, like teriyaki is like putting a candy bar on top of your, on top of your chicken. And, um, you know, so I have a food science background, so I just started making these condiments in my, you know, in my lab and using them. And then some of my coworkers and friends would have them. And they're like, Oh my God, this stuff's amazing. You should sell it. I'm like, that's a, good ideas if that's the line of business that I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> and so we we uh we bottled it up and put it online and it just completely took off. Yeah. So it, it's a lot of fun. I mean it's a lot of fun. I didn't it, it's my side hustle. But <laughs> it, it it's where I get most of my joy. So you know if your audience wants to go check it out, they can just go to guygonketo.com. Um, check out our condiments, the book. Um, if they go to any of the socials, you know, at guygonketo.com, they can direct message me. Um, you know, if they've got questions or anything like that, I'm pretty good at getting back to people right away. Yeah, great. Thanks for sharing all that. Um, just b- before I ask you the last question, mm-hmm. um, do you know Abe Kmark from True Made Foods? That sounds super familiar. Yeah, True Made Foods. I've is, had him. Is that an Australian? No, no, no. He's he's American. Um, he's he's got um a tomato sauce brand made exclusively from vegetables. It's in like thirteen hundred WalMarts. But what? anyway, he's been on the podcast. So oh. I was just wondering if you guys knew each other. No, no. The name sounds familiar, but I I have. There's so many companies that we're working with now. Yeah. Sometimes it's like unless I see the product right in front of me, then I'm like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know that person. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, I don't, but I'll have to check it now. For sure. Um, and okay, so to wrap up, mm-hmm. one question. What is one piece of health information that you wish more people knew about? Um, this is going to be way off topic, but I, I would say hydration. <laughs> I would say that our bodies are, what, 70 to 75% water. Yep. And I don't think people drink enough water. And just... Hydrate. Hi, anytime you start feeling thirsty, it's too late because now you're thirsty. You should have had a few, you know, like a glass of water before you got to that point. So I am a big proponent of uh, of hydration, and I think that that cures all. 
Yeah, I'm totally with you. As you've seen, I've, uh, I've got mine right here. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> saw awesome. That. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. I've really loved our chat and um, hopefully we can get you back on in the future. But um, yeah, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank you, Maddie. I appreciate it. And yeah, anytime you want to have me back, it would be, uh, it'd be an honor for me to do so. Yeah, awesome. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and we'll chat soon. Likewise. You too. Thank you. Bye, mate. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use, and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.